Today's scripture reading comes from Galatians chapter 6, verses 11 through to 18. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised, that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And, as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. You can go ahead and be seated. And before we pray, I just want to say a a few things. Uh, One, I didn't say this before, uh, both Brant and Jonathan are not just uh, men that we present to you sort of neutrally. Uh, Fred, uh, the elders of Christ City, South Vancouver, uh, wholeheartedly endorse uh, their role as, uh, as elders. Uh, and so they're men that we bring to you uh, gladly and joyfully, uh, having for over the past uh, year, really, uh, poured into them, uh, seen their own character. And so we're excited to bring them to you, if that wasn't clear uh, before. Uh, First off, as Emelina has already said, before we we pray, we do want to say Happy Mother's Day. Uh, We do want to say to all you moms out there, uh, Happy Mother's Day. We we do at the same time recognize that today is a day of of mixed emotions for many people. Uh, We do want to remember today those who who gave birth this year to their first child. At the same time, we want to remember those who, who lost a child this year. We want to remember those who are battling it out every day with little ones. Uh, those who have experienced loss through, through miscarriage this year. Uh, those who have experienced loss through failed adoptions this year. Uh, those dealing with the difficulties of, of infertility. Those who are foster moms, uh, mentor moms, uh, spiritual moms, uh, mother-in-laws. Those who have warm and close relationships with your children, we want to recognize you. We also, too, want to be mindful of those who have uh, disappointment, heartache, and distance with your children. We remember those who have lost their mothers, those who have experienced abuse at the hands of your own mother, those who have lived through the overall testing of of motherhood, those who have aborted children, those who have placed children for adoption, those who are single and long to be married and mothering your own children, those who will have emptier nests in the upcoming year, and those who are right now pregnant with new life, Uh, To all of you this morning, we want to say we love you, uh, we bless you, and and, and we honor you. And so we recognize that today is a day of of mixed emotions for many of us, and so we're mindful of that. Would you join with me as we pray uh, this morning? Uh, Jesus, we come to your your word this morning eager to hear from you. Uh, Eager to hear from your spirit, eager to be changed uh, by your word 
uh, by your spirit, uh, through your word. And so, Lord, I ask that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts and hands to obey what you are impressing upon us this morning. We pray in your name. Amen. Well, if it was unclear at the beginning, my name is Jake. I, I'm planting Christ City East Vancouver uh, in the fall of September, uh, September 20, 2019 right now. Is that what year we're in? Uh, in September 2019, planting Christ City East Vancouver. Fred's in Lethbridge right now, which is essentially purgatory. Uh, and so he could not be here with us this morning. And so it's actually my joy. It's my joy today to, to help uh, you guys finish uh, this Galatians series to help you finish your time, uh, 27 weeks. Like, just give yourself a round of applause. Like, you did it. You did it. 27 weeks. Uh, 27 weeks ago, we began with a hello, an introduction, and now, 27 weeks later, we begin with a goodbye, uh, a farewell. Now, I don't know if you've had to say many final words uh, in your life. Uh, maybe, uh, as I mentioned, you, you dropped a child off at university over the past couple years or even this most recent year, and you've had to say some you know, final words to that child, like, don't do stupid things, and uh, like, like, just, just be kind to people, I, I, whatever it is, you said some final words. Now, others of you, I, I know this, have had to say some final words as you said goodbye to loved ones uh, who, who are dying, uh, who are no longer with us. Final words are significant for, for a number of reasons. But one way in which they are especially significant is that final words are typically, isn't this true? Your, your most important words. The most important things need to be said at, at the end. Now, I, I have a friend who recently uh, just said goodbye to, to his mom. His mom didn't know Jesus, went her whole life not a follower of Jesus, uh, and, and her health has been deteriorating over the past couple of months, past couple of weeks. And, and, and he's, he's a pastor, this friend of mine, and he wanted her to know Jesus. And so uh, just a few days ago, uh, he, he visited his mom uh, in the hospital, and, and he spoke the words of John 11 to her, where Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet will live again. And he asked her, Mom, do you believe this? And by the grace of God, as she believed. She's a follower of Jesus. On the same day she became a follower of Jesus, she, she died. She, she passed away. Final words, the last things we want to say to a people or a group of people, I, I think we can agree here, right? They're important. They're crucial. They convey our, our heart, uh, our pleas, uh, the, the most important things that we want to c- convey. This is true of final words today, and it was true of final words in Paul's day. And you can imagine the Galatian church, uh, they've all gathered around to hear this letter from the Apostle Paul. It's been like 27 weeks of hearing this letter. It was just a joke. Probably wouldn't quicker than that. They gather around to, to hear this letter, right? And, and they're all listening intently. And now, as they get to this final section, uh, they hear Paul say, See with what large letters I'm writing. I'm writing with my own hand. And, and they lean in and they think to themselves, what could be so important, what could be so crucial that Paul would have grabbed the, the pen from his scribe and said, I'm writing this myself. I want you to hear this from, from me. I want you to know my heart towards you with these final words. And what are the oh so important final words that Paul wants to bring to the Galatian church? What are the oh-so-important final words that Paul wants to bring to us today? What does he want to leave us with? Well, we could summarize it like this. 
Galatian church, Christ city, will you choose faith or works? Will you choose the cross or comfort? Will you choose choose the true religion of God or the religion of natural man? See, according to the internet, which is ever so reliable, uh, there are over 4,300 distinctly recognized religious groups in the world. But as Paul summarizes the letter to the Galatian church today, we discover that when it comes down to it, when it comes down to how humanity relates to God, there are actually only two options. The internet says 4,300. Paul says there's actually two. We either trust in a religious system of our own making, a system that emphasizes our work and our earning, or by faith, we trust in the work of Jesus on the cross. We trust by faith in his work, in his earning. Be careful to walk on the path of faith is what Paul wants to leave the Galatians with. And to help them discern and to help us discern if we're on that path, he leaves them with three, we could call them trail signs. Now you people are in Kitsilano, which means you're an outdoors people, of course. Right? You all love outdoors. Uh, and you know that if you're on the Baden-Powell Trail or you're in North Van somewhere, that trail signs are important. Right? They tell you where you're going, that they're important. We, we have three trail signs today that we should look for to discover whether or not we're on the path of faith. What are those trail signs? I'm glad you asked that question. Trail sign number one. The path of faith looks internally whereas the path of man-centered religion only looks externally. That's the first trail sign. Trail sign number two. The path of faith looks to the cross, whereas the path of man-centered religion looks to comfort. And trail sign number three. The path of faith leads to life. The path of man-centered religion leads to the curse, leads to death. So trail sign number one. Are you guys with me, Kitsilano? Yes, love it. The path of faith looks internally. If you have your Bibles, look with me at Galatians 6. We're going to skip down all the way to Galatians 6.15. And there we read uh, the Apostle Paul write this. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. Uh, here at the end of the letter, Paul essentially summarizes all of Galatians uh, in one verse. In one verse, he says a few things. First, Circumcision does not count for anything. doesn't count for anything. Now, this shouldn't be uh, news to us. Again, 27 weeks into this letter, we, we, we've talked about this. I, I think Brett and Fred have... Brett and Fred. Fred and Brant. B names. Ha, have talked to you about this. Circumcision doesn't count for, for anything. Paul's saying what he's already said. Galatians 5. For in Christ Jesus... Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. He, he's repeating himself. We're, we're slow people. We need help. He's repeating himself. The circumcision party, the, the Judaizers, Paul's rivals, whatever you want to call them, were emphasizing the need for, for Gentiles, non-Jewish people uh, in Galatia to be circumcised in order to be truly accepted before God. Again, this is not new to you. And Paul has made it clear from the very beginning that to believe that we somehow contribute to our own salvation, our own justification, that to think that as is good news is actually, Paul says in Galatians 1, not good news. It is a false good news. 
Uh, many moons ago, uh, we looked at Galatians 1, 6-7, where Paul began his letter like this. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace, in the grace of Christ, and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, there, there's no other good news, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. This distortion, again, this is not new, but Paul's bringing it up again, and so we're bringing it up again. This distortion is that Jesus plus circumcision plus Torah observance equals friendship with God, equals salvation, equals justification, equals right standing with God. And as we've been saying all along, and it's good to remind ourselves of this on the last day of Galatians, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus anything else. Anything else we want to add to our salvation equals nothing. It invalidates the work of the cross. It is a not good news, Paul says. Now, lest we let ourselves off the hook too quickly as we think, oh, that's fine. I'm not looking to get circumcised to be made right with God. I'm not looking to to eat kosher food uh, to be made right with God. Paul continues in our text today, just like he did in chapter 5, to say this. Did Did he catch it? For neither circumcision counts for anything, and then he adds, nor uncircumcision. In other words, it might not be dietary laws. It's probably not, just gauging the crowd here this morning, uh, circumcision. But maybe, maybe it's uncircumcision. In other words, there is something that you do, there is something that I do, that tempts me to believe that it's on that thing, on the basis of that thing and doing that thing, that I am then made right with God. What is it for you? There's something that all of us do. To that temptation, Paul speaks very clearly what matters, what counts, when it comes to, to friendship with God, when it comes to salvation, when it comes to being made right with our Creator, is that he has, this is Jesus, by his Holy Spirit, made us, made you, made me into a new creation. New creation, that's what matters. That's what counts. No longer do we rate ourselves higher or lower, better or worse, on the basis of worldly distinctions. When Paul said, and maybe remember this passage, in Galatians 3.28, that there is neither Jew nor Greek, There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. He's not saying that in Jesus we are all one homogenous blob. That's not what he's saying. No, he's he's not saying our distinctive ethnicities, genders, socioeconomic positions don't matter. Unity does not equal uniformity. What he is saying, however is that we've all been given in Jesus a new primary identifier. Those who are in Christ. And so together we can say, Christ City Kitsilano, Christ City South Vancouver, Christ City East Vancouver, the church is comprised of men in Jesus, and women in Jesus, and Jews in Jesus, and Greeks in Jesus, and poor in Jesus, and rich in Jesus. That's what's happening here. It's not that we're being brought up to the standard of the Jews. It's that through Jesus, by his spirit, a new thing is happening. A new creation is occurring. Paul can conclude then at the end of this letter like this. 
Friends, you are a new creation people. Kitsilano, you are a new creation people, and you are a new group of people then who have been filled with the renewing power of the Holy Spirit. You're a new creation people. The trail sign that you are on the path of faith is inward renewal. Inward renewal. A friend of mine reminded me this week, we have a gospel, a good news that changes us, transforms us, that changes both how we view ourselves and God and how we view the world. Now, I'm not saying that all this change happens at once and in dramatic ways. Uh, Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. But as new creation, as new creation, we should be growing more and more and more into likeness with Christ until that day when everything is new creation. Do you see that, Christ City? Until that day when the whole world is made new. Our new creation lives are but a foretaste, a a glimpse, an appetizer, if you will, for the new creation that will be all-encompassing, will come in totality. Indeed, Paul told us earlier in his letter that it's the Spirit who will do this work in us. We don't have to worry whether this work will happen. If we are in Christ by faith, the Spirit will do this in us. Our sanctification, which is a fancy word for growth in holiness, is just as much a Spirit's work as our justification. That is, our being made right with God. We should be right now by the Spirit growing in thinking His thoughts. Feeling his heart, showing his compassion. We have a gospel that changes us. I want to ask you this morning, Kitsilano, do you know, even over the course of these 27 weeks, do you know, can you pinpoint how the gospel has changed you? How the gospel has transformed you? See, what we're being asked to consider is whether or not we understand ourselves, God, and the world from this place of being a new creation. Later today, we'll hear Paul say this, But far be it for me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. When Paul says that he's crucified, he's been crucified to the world, he is saying that he's no longer captive to a worldly way of doing things. One with Jesus, he's no longer a prisoner of the game of self-promotion. He's no longer a prisoner of the game of self-promotion, which is exactly, if we look at the text this morning, what Paul's rivals are guilty of. See, if the first trail sign that you're on the path of faith is an emphasis on inward renewal, the sign that you might be on a different path is an emphasis, rather a sole focus on external behavior, external religiosity. Notice in verse 12 and 13, Paul says this, It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh. And then we skip down. But they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. Why does Paul want these Gentile Christians to be circumcised? One reason is really is really clear in our text this morning. So we can report back uh, so they can report back to headquarters in Jerusalem. Look how many foreskins we have. It's a weird flex, right? Like, like, look how, like, look, look how good our religion is, is going here. Look how successful we are. L- look at all the, the, these markers we, we have. 
Uh, the phrase in verse 12, to make a good showing in the flesh, is all about putting on a face. Putting on a face. It's all about presenting as a person or a group of people who are religious, spiritual, accomplished. Paul detects this desire to be perceived as religious as one of the motives that is driving these false teachers. Now, qualifier. Will inward renewal result in acts of love? Absolutely. Will it result in good deeds? Absolutely. In fact, back in chapter 5, Paul's emphasis, uh, he, he said this. He says, listen, faith needs to work itself out through, through love, express itself through, through love, through doing things. The past few weeks, you, you've seen that. Paul's like, listen, you have to do something with this. You've got to do something. But the false teachers, hear me, Christ City, are concerned only with the external, only with the show, only with making a good show in the flesh, only with outward appearances. And the problem with that is that a Christian anthropology, a a biblical view of the person, won't allow for that. Won't allow for mere window dressing. A biblical view of the person says we need deep interior renewal. And if we're honest with ourselves this morning, I think that's what we all desire, isn't it? Not a new coat of paint. Not, not, not a quick renovation here, not a quick fix here, but we, we, we desire, don't we? Deep interior renewal. Uh, we desire a, a new way of understanding ourselves. We desire a new way of interacting with the world. We, we desire a renewed and refreshed relationship with our Creator. We need a new creation. And this new creation is made possible by the cross of Christ. Which leads me to our, our second trail sign. The second trail sign is this. The path of faith looks to the cross. The path of man-centered religion looks primarily and almost totally to comfort. You'll notice that uh, Paul gives a second motive for the false teachers wanting the Gentiles to be circumcised. Did you notice that in verse 12? He said this. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised. And then listen to this. And only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. The cross of Christ is offensive. Preaching the cross of Christ is, is, is offensive. And if you don't believe me, I'm going to try really hard to offend you right now. The cross, I'm, I'm, I'm not joking. <laughs> the cross of Christ says that you're not smart enough. We're, we're an educated city, right? Statistically, a a very educated city. We're not that far from UBC. Uh, We're an educated city. A lot of PhDs, masters in the room uh, this morning. We're well-read people, right? We we keep up on the latest literature in, in general. The crucifixion of Jesus Christ in our place for our sins tells us that we can never earn enough degrees to be right before God. That we can't think our way to the holy. That we can't philosophize our way to the divine. Now the cross of Christ says that you're not moral enough. You're not moral enough. The cross of Christ says that you're volunteering at the shelter on the downtown east side. At the local food pantry. 
that none of it on its own is able to make you right with God. The crucifixion of Jesus in our place and for our sins tells us that we need someone else's moral record. That we can't do good, be positive, uh, our way to the good shepherd. uh, Our way to the one who was good in our place. The cross of Christ says you're not fit enough. You're not fit enough. That despite all the green smoothies you drink and the CrossFit classes that you attend, you will still die and rot apart from the work of Jesus on the cross. The crucifixion of Jesus in our place for our sins tells us that we can never be strong enough to cheat death. That we need the one who was strong enough to take the sins of the world upon his shoulders to receive the eternal life he's come to bring. The cross says you're not spiritual enough. That all of your deep, cosmic, spiritual insight you stumble upon while you're on your acid trip is actually gobbledygook. It's nothing. More akin to the hollow advice of a tabloid magazine than anything sage that might proceed from a wise guru. The crucifixion of Jesus in our place for our sin tells us that in the infinitely wise plan of God, a plan deemed foolishness by men, he has sent his son, his very wisdom, to do what we never even thought of doing, what we never thought we needed. How one commentator summarizes, nothing in history or in the universe cuts us down to size like the cross. You don't need to wonder why the false teachers were hesitant to preach the cross. We don't need to speculate. Nothing in the universe, nothing in history cuts us down to size like the cross. Their whole system depended on people demonstrating external religiosity. And Paul's saying to the Galatian church then and to us today that it's not enough. It's not enough. What counts, what what matters, when we get to the heart of the issue, is new creation. It's new creation. And what happens next is the world responds to our new creation presence uh, in one of two ways. Uh, Another author, a guy named Trevin Wax, he writes this. When Christians are correctly acting as the foretaste of new creation in our world, we are met with both welcome and resistance. For some, our presence is a balm on an open wound. Our lives serve as a sweet foretaste of heaven on earth. For others, our presence is an irritating agent. They see our lives more as an aftertaste, a stench rather than a pleasing aroma. Unlike these false teachers who who love comfort, Paul personally experienced what it was to be seen as an irritating agent, a unpleasant aftertaste. In fact, in verse 17, he wrote this. Did you catch that? From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Paul has felt and indeed will feel uh, the effects of preaching the cross, the effects of, of suffering for the gospel. His body tells that story. The path of faith is shaped by the cross, 
which means, Christian, a lot of pain and a lot of death. Now, I can't help this morning, uh, today, but, but think about the uniqueness of our predicament. As we sit here uh, in our air-conditioned uh, theater, having gathered to worship Jesus, uh, doing so in complete freedom and peace. Uh, the biggest threat to our time together this morning, in case you're wondering what it was, is that an Avengers movie would be scheduled at the same time. That's the biggest threat. Now, is it true that at times and in our own ways, Christians in our city experience some sort of opposition for their faith in Jesus? Absolutely. And I don't want to downplay that. That's not my hope. I know that some of you have faced very real opposition. You continue to experience very real opposition because of the cross of Jesus. But my hope this morning is that we would see today that as we preach the cross, a message that cuts us down to size, we should not be surprised when we receive the cross in return. That we would not be surprised when people don't like us or celebrate us or embrace us. We all know the message we could preach if we wanted that, don't we? Affirm all things at all times for all people. We could pack this place out with that message, couldn't we? It's easy. Offend no one. But that's not the message we've been given. Paul writes, But far be it for me to boast, except, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Not only is the message of the cross the only message we've been given, as we'll see in just a bit here, it is the only message that saves. Trail sign number three. The third sign that we're on the path of faith is that the path of faith leads to life. And in contrast to this, the path of man-centered religion leads only to the curse, leads only to death. In, in verse 16, Paul is saying goodbye, and he writes this. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. Paul writes, all who walk by this, this rule, this rule. Uh, that word for rule here in the Greek uh, is this word canon. This word canon. It can mean a rod or a measure or a bar by which we assess certain things or doctrines or, or teachings. Uh, maybe you're familiar with the, with the phrase the canon of scripture. Uh, referring to 66 books in, in the Bible. This would be called the canon of scripture. Uh, we believe as evangelical Protestant Christians that this is God's word to us. Uh, the word by which we measure our entire lives. Indeed, the word, the word by which we measure everything uh, that we experience. This is the canon of Scripture. But Paul's not talking about the canon of Scripture here. He's talking about a different rule, a, a different bar, a, a different measure. And what rule is that? Well, that by the work of Jesus on the cross, we've been made into new creations. Therefore, in light of this, in light of this, we are to walk then according to the rule, the canon of new creation people. According to the rule of being led by the Spirit. Keeping in step with the Spirit. Sowing to the Spirit. 
And Paul says, if we are to walk by this rule, Christ city, peace and mercy will be upon us, us, the Israel of God. Now, as an aside here, it's interesting to note the the consistent tone throughout this letter. Uh, Paul is urgently pleading. He began his letter, not with his customary, you know, blessings and, you know, grace and peace to you, all that kind of stuff. No, he began, he just jumped right into it. And now he ends, not with promises of peace, but he says, listen, Galatian church, I don't know what's going to happen. It's up to you how you respond. If you walk by this rule, peace and mercy will be upon you. But if you don't, if you don't, well, we'll see in a bit if you don't. In walking by faith, we show that we are the Israel of God. Again, the idea here is not that we're all being made Jewish. But Paul is saying that walking by faith in Jesus is this sign that we're part of this new community that God is bringing together by his spirit. God's people, his Israel, are not those who focus on the external are not those who look to comfort and are not those who will find their end in eternal death. And that's the point of contrast for us this morning. Maybe you missed it. But in verse 13, Paul said something. Almost in passing, he said this. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law. He's saying to these false teachers, the rule, the canon that you hold to others is a rule that you cannot even keep yourself. Again, he's repeating what he said earlier. Galatians 5 verse 3. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. And we can't keep the whole law. Man-made religion upholds a rule It paves a trail that it cannot walk on itself. A path that it cannot trot. It is a trail then that inevitably leads to the curse. That inevitably leads to to, to death. So there you have it. 27 weeks of walking through Galatians. 27 weeks of trying to understand the context working to understand what it means today and applying it to our lives today. And it really, really, it all comes down to this. If you've been sort of zoned out for 27 weeks, focus for like one minute here. Will you walk by faith in Jesus? Will you walk by faith in Jesus? Let me say it again because I think it's important. Will you walk by faith in Jesus? Or will you fall prey to a religion of your own devising. Paul says two options. Will you trust that before the Lord wants your money, before he wants your time, before he wants your family, before he wants your job, he wants your heart. So many of us have lived for so long wondering what we should do for God. Mistakenly believing that our doing is the condition by which we are accepted by which we have value in God's kingdom. Christ City Kitsilano, walk in the freedom the gospel brings. 
through his death and by his spirit, Jesus has made you new creation. New creation. Will you choose by faith to boast in the cross alone? The old way of boasting. Boasting in our job title. Boasting in our ethnicity. Boasting in our gender. Boasting in our money. The old way of boasting is done. It's finished. It's over. It is inconsistent with being a new creation. So stop it. Stop it. We have a gospel that changes us. Will you trust today that the path to life, to peace, to mercy, isn't padded with the comforts of this world, but feels more often like crucifixion? Feels more often like death? I have no doubt today, because I know my own heart, that the Lord is calling many of us, perhaps all of us, in some way to repent of seeking our own comfort above his kingdom. Of choosing comfort over the cross. Thanks for listening. For more information about Christ City Church in Vancouver, please visit ChristCityChurch.ca. We invite you to join us in praying that God's kingdom would come in Vancouver as it is in heaven.